Well, my sermon title today is Keys to Crossing Your Jordan, and we're going to be in Joshua chapter 3, Keys to Crossing Your Jordan. Um, You know, the book of Joshua is about the people of God coming out of the wilderness season, out of bondage in Egypt, and moving into the promises that God has for them. And today we're reaching the boundary marker, which is actually a river at flood stage. It was called a harvest river. Um, At the time they were crossing it, it was probably about a mile to three quarters of a mile to a mile wide, as well as three to 12 feet deep. Now, if you want to try to cross a river like that with a million people, it's a big deal. So that's the boundary marker. And I actually believe every Christian, every church, every city has a boundary marker that stands between what God has called them to and the promises he's made and where they've been in their wilderness as they learn to trust and depend on the Lord. And the key issue is, will we be those people who rise up in faith and trust in the God of the impossible? Actually, you, you prayed it that way, the God of the, why don't we call him the God of the uncrossable? Um, <laughs> The God of the uncrossable, do we believe that and do we believe God is faithful as we sung about in worship today? This is what's at stake with this. So I wanna make some opening declarations. We're gonna declare just by way of agreement that God, you are the God of the uncrossable. You're the God who fulfills all of your promises. They're all yes and amen in Christ. It is time for the living God. That's how it says it in Joshua 3. The living God to manifest himself, to show himself to be the God of the earth, the God of the heavens, the God of our cities, the God of our lives, the God of the church. And so, Lord, we thank you that the living God is about to take the church into the promised land. And we declare we'll be a people of faith that trust in you, that get rid of the unbelief, the doubt, the things of the old season and step forward. And we pray, Lord, today you'd quicken us in faith. I pray there'd be a spirit of zeal that rises up. And so, Lord, we're gonna do like Joshua's priest did. We're gonna stand before you and we're gonna watch and wait for you to move. As in the time of Jehoshaphat, as in the time of Moses, when he stood the rod, he says, only rest and stand and see the deliverance of God. So Lord, we stand and we watch to wait for your deliverance and you taking us across this boundary marker today in Jesus' name, amen. So we're continuing our series in Joshua. Um, we, uh, last week was one of those Holy Spirit moment weeks and uh, really didn't get to this message. So I'm glad we're getting to it today, but it's the, the issue of the Jordan. It's a watershed moment where the reality of the people of God literally shifted the moment they crossed the Jordan River. On one side, they were in a wilderness dependent on a pillar of fire by uh, night, a cloud by day, manna from heaven, supernatural provision. As soon as they crossed the Jordan, God started dealing with them in a new way and in a new fashion. And so um, I'm excited to see what God wants to maybe do with us as it relates to that today. Um, Let me review. I'm gonna bring up some slides. Um, I'm on ClickShare, sorry. I don't know if I've got them up yet. Um, Sorry about that. I should have opened it up. Um, Whoops, where are we? I was too busy, excited about today to actually um, get started with this. So let's, uh, let's do this. 
Um, I've titled today's message, Keys to the Crossing Your Jordan. And I wanna actually review the invitation. And I have a secondary purpose with this because um, there is a 3,000 year cycle that is just occurring right now in the Middle East. And I want you to actually understand what's at stake with this. The command, the invitation was, you will dispossess, and the word means to drive out violence, sin, and evil. And the question I want to ask is, why did God allow that in the land of Canaan? In Genesis 9, 18 to 20, we get the reason why the land of Canaan. If you're not familiar with it, this is after Noah has flooded the earth. And actually, in Genesis 6, verse 11 and 13, this is how it reads. It says, the earth was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked on the earth. Indeed, it was corrupt and it was corrupted and God makes the decision, I'm going to judge. God always judges violence. And then we come to chapter nine and Noah, they've come out of the ark, God's rescued a people and Noah's come out of the ark with his family. Let me read in verse 18. Now the sons of Noah went out of the ark. They were Shem, Ham, and Japheth and Ham was the father of Canaan. I wonder if that's why we can't eat ham as if you're, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> these three were the sons of Noah and from these the whole earth was populated and Noah began to be a farmer and he planted a vineyard and he drank of the wine and was drunk and we came uncovered in his tent Ham the father of Canaan saw the nakedness of his father and mocked him and told his brothers then it says but Shem and Japheth took a garment laid it both on their shoulders and went backwards covering the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away and they refused to look at their father's nakedness. So Noah awoke from his, his wine and knew that his young, what his younger son had done to him. Then he said, cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants he shall be to his brethren. And he said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. By the way, Abraham's a Shemite. And may Canaan be his servant. May the God enlarge Japheth's tent and may dwell in the tents of Shem and may Canaan be his servant. That's what, so the backdrop here is there was, um, there was iniquity on the account of Ham and his son Canaan that walked in his father's iniquity and as a result, God says, they will serve my people. Notice it didn't say kill them, wipe them off the mat, just that they'll be servants. Then we've got Genesis 12 where God gets to, speaks to a Shemite named Abraham and says, I'm calling you to a land that I will show you. Arise from your place in Babylon and I'm going to take you to a land that will be yours. It's a perpetual covenant. I will give you the land and whoever blesses you will be blessed. Whoever curses you will be cursed. And so... Abraham, that's the reason it's a perpetual covenant. In 15, chapter 15 of Genesis, it says this, that I'm not giving you this land for 400 years. It's, it's a number of generations because the sin of the Amorites, the ites that live in the land, is not yet at its full measure. In other words, God is gonna give multiple generations an opportunity for the land to repent of its sin and its violence and its evil, if not, the people of God will come in and dispossess them and they'll become the servants. 
So then we get in Deuteronomy 2.5, Exodus 23.30, Deuteronomy 20, we've got three texts that talk about the rules of engagement. First was, you will not touch your brothers um, in Edom or Moab. You're gonna walk around them because they are, they're your brothers. And, uh, but you'll go into the land of Canaan and he put boundaries around that. The, the issue was, I want you to actually offer peace. That's um, Exodus 23, 30. Whatever city, these were city states. These were walled cities that had farming and agriculture around them. If you think Middle, e uh, Middle Ages feudalism, this is the kind of thing that was happening in the Ridge Country. The major trade routes were around the hill country of, of Canaan and Palestine. Uh, they went along the coastal route or they went on the Transjordan Plateau on the east side of the uh, Jordan Rift Valley. And um, it said, offer peace. And if they offer peace, if they accept your peace, they'll become your servants. The Gibeonites took, took Joshua up on this, by the way. Um, and if not, we're to, you're to dispossess, drive them out. And it didn't say kill them. The only cities that were authorized were the, were the military cities of, of Jericho Ai and Hatzor in the north, these were allowed to be destroyed because they were military outposts that defended the land. So um, that's a little bit of backdrop on that. And um, I actually want you to show the slides of what's at stake. Here you see the land of Palestine. By the way, I don't know if you know why it's called Palestine. When the Romans sacked Jerusalem in 70 AD, Palestine is Philistine. And they named it after the Philistines and gave the territory to the Philistines. And the, the Philistines are down in Gaza area, the Canaanites, Jebusites, Hittites, Amalekites, you listen, you listen to all these in scripture, Perizzites, Girgashites, Hittites, Amorites, you can see all the ites there. That's the land that they occupied and God said to Israel, that's your land. And so... Um, what I want to show you next is, interestingly, they could have come by this blue arrow up from the south. In fact, they falsely tried to do this when they were wandering in unbelief. And God, in fact, asked them to do that. But the 12 spies, 10 came back with bad report, and 10 of them said, we do not believe God can take us in. It's full of walled cities. There's giants in the land. Our God is not able to give us the land. We will be destroyed. And two spies Joshua and Caleb said, no, don't, don't, don't disobey the Lord. Don't dishonor him. Our God is able. He has made the promise. He will surely fulfill it. And those two were able to enter, but the rest of the nation um, died off to take rid of their unbelief so a new generation who would believe would come into the land. Well, that southern route through Beersheba and Hebron, I've been there, it's a gentle rolling slope that's grassy. You can literally walk up it and walk into the land. It's the obvious area to enter it. But God said instead, no, I'm taking you around. You're gonna go up on the Transjordan Rift uh, um, Mountains. You're gonna go around Moab and you're gonna come in at the most impossible spot, a river at flood stage about a mile wide across from Jordan, the strongest stronghold of the that's defending the entire land. That's Jericho, that's where I'm gonna take you. And so the red arrow shows where they were there. So God led them to cross a hurdle, the Jordan River, rather than the easy way in. This is the territory that was assigned, you can't see it, but all those colors you see there 
was assigned to Israel and said, that's your territory, that's your land. It's the 12 tribes, it's there. Now what's interesting, when they took the land in Joshua, they took about this initially. This is what the book of Joshua describes. And you can actually see there was resistance from the Philistines on the coast. Dan had difficulty with there, so had another uh, place up north. There was difficulty in uh, the, the area of Samaria. They had battles that were very difficult for them to take. And what's left after that is, I want you to notice there were several areas. The green circles are places that God said, do not destroy those. There's my, they're my people, they're Shemites. Uh, but the Philistines were left in Gaza. The Israel never took that territory in the Gaza. So I use the word strip. What's interesting is Samaria was the northern tribes that were taken captive by Assyria. This would be the area from Persia, which is modern day Iran, Iraq, and Syria, took the northern land and brought in the people. That's how the Palestinians got there. They brought them in and they left them in the land of Samaria in the middle of Israel. And here's what modern Israel looks like. You've got the Gaza Strip where the Philistines were. You've got the West Bank. This is from the Oslo Accords in 1993 and 1995, which is actually settled by Palestinians. And the Golan Heights, which is disputed um, territory um, that was part of the 1973 war. And I'm sure you recognize this, but 50 years to the day, to the Sabbath, to the weekend, from the 73 war on a Shabbat, on a Sabbath during a high holy day, 50 years later, on October 7th, uh, 2023, there was an invasion again into Israel. Kind of interesting, the cycles. Here's what it looks like. The Gaza Strip is entirely under Palestinian rule. In the West Bank, you've got the yellow areas are Palestinian areas. And the, the, the blue areas that you see there are Israeli. 20% of Israeli citizens are Palestinian. These have made peace with Israel. And you can actually travel there when you go to the land, into the West Bank. And they are actually have made peace with Israel, which is what was asked. Um, the idea was Israel could not serve their gods, the God of violence, but they were given this as inheritance and the inheritance was about establishing a kingdom of priests that would be witnesses of God, what it looks like to live under a rulership of God as king. By the way, Israel defaulted on that. And so they were taken into exile. And even though they've been restored into the land in 1948, there's this place of waiting for the restoration of Israel. But in the New Testament, we're, we're part of spiritual Israel. There's still a national Israel, we're part of spiritual Israel that actually um, offer peace to those around us that are evil and saying, would you like to be in the kingdom and serve the God that we serve? Ruth made that choice. Rahab made that choice. Or if not, we will not tolerate the evil and the violence. It needs to be dispossessed from the kingdom of heaven. Now, God, Jesus will be the judge of that in the future. Right now, we're the messengers of salvation. Am I making sense what's at stake with the land here? Um, so with that in background, let me read Joshua chapter three. 
so we can kind of see what's at stake with crossing the Jordan. So let me turn to Joshua 3 and read you the chapter. By the way, I'm only gonna read three. Three and four is one text. It's structured in um, what we call a chiastic arrangement. There's gonna be the command to enter the Jordan, the priests and the ark, and God is gonna exalt Joshua at the beginning, at the backside, God, God himself is exalted. There we are. God just wants to have a little praise while we say God is exalted. So, <laughs> so um, God is exalted at the end as the priests of the ark come out on the backside. But I want to read entering the Jordan and what it looks like. Joshua chapter three. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan River, he and the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of your God and the priests and Levites bearing it, then you shall set out after your place and go after the ark of the presence. Yet it shall be a space between you of about 2,000 cubits by measure. This is 1,000 yards. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you've not passed this way before. Interestingly, God has a thing for numbers. The spies were in the land for three days, came back with good report. Then in Joshua chapter one, um, Joshua, we started this, pass through the camp, prepare your provisions, for within three days you're gonna cross the Jordan. We're picking up after chapter two and chapter three, so then there's three days, and on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, they crossed in rest into the land. By the way, then they have another seven days in the land before they take Jericho, and there's seven days of marching around devil, uh, the, uh, Jericho, and they take it on the seventh day. The picture is God's people cross into the impossibilities on the day of rest, trusting in the Lord. Just ridiculously crazy, that stuff. So the issue here is when you see the Ark of the Covenant, by the way, in these, how many verses have we got? 17 verses, the Ark is mentioned 14 times. I wonder what the central idea of the passage is about. <laughs> when you see the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord your God, by the way, the Ark was his mobile throne where he sat between the cherubim over the mercy seat, which uh, over the, the ark, and in it was some manna which had preserved them for 40 years in the desert. The dead stick of Aaron, which budded to show that the word of God brings forth life, right? And the tablets that God had inscribed with his finger of his commandments. That's what's in the ark, and it's his throne and they're saying, take the throne of God as king, the very presence of the Lord, and have that go out into the impossibility that's before you and follow that. Then Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests saying, take up the ark of the covenant and cross before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant. The way it was carried was on the shoulders. 
They did not touch with their hands or put it on a human-made cart, but they had, go- they had rings through which rods were placed and the ark was carried on the shoulders of men so that men would not touch the glory of the Lord. And this marched, what, what they said here is, um, and verse seven, the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in sight of Israel that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Boy, that is kind of the Lord. Can you imagine being a leader replacing Moses and wondering, will the people listen to me? And God says, I'm gonna validate you through what's about to happen. So you shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant saying, when you've come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall step forth and stand in the Jordan. Notice the Jordan is still flowing and they're supposed to step forth and stand in the impossibility. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. He's serving as prophet right now. And Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the, uh, where am I, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Notice all the ites we talked about. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of the God of all the earth is crossing before you into the Jordan. Now therefore, take for yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man from each tribe, and shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, this is the feet of those, that the waters um, of the Jordan shall be cut off. The waters shall come from down from upstream and they shall stand up in a heap. By the way, that's, what the, that's the same word that was used when the, when the Red Sea stood up in a heap and Israel crossed on dry ground into the wilderness from Egypt. By the way, do you know what day that was? It was on the 10th of Nisan. That's the same day they're crossing the Jordan, 40 years later. By the way, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the 10th of Nisan. Hmm. So it was when the people set out from the camp to cross the Jordan and with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and those that bore the ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priest who bore the ark dipped into the edge of the water for the Jordan overflows its banks during the whole time of harvest that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city beside Zeratan. Adam, by the way, is man. So the things of man are damned up so that the promises of God can come forth as God's presence leads. So the waters went down to the Sea of Aravah, the salt sea failed and were cut off and the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Then the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and all of Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had completely crossed the Jordan. Now let me show you what the Jordan, um, my question is this, is it a block or a hurdle between promise and fulfillment? 
A block implies you can't get past it. A hurdle is it's crossable, but you need assistance. It's a good thing God's with them. It's a circumstantial hurdle. And I just want to say this, that um, hurdles are common in terms of um, what God wants to do with us is there, there's always a hurdle between the place of wilderness and entering into the fullness of promises. Why? Because God wants you to trust in faith that he's able to take you in and it's not by your strength. And so the issue when God's people or a church or a city hits a, door, a circumstantial opposition is will you trust the Lord and will you actually follow his presence through the impossibility or will you attempt to do it yourself? It's this hurdle that's standing before them and it's something that's there, um, that's always there. And so I actually believe the enemy always empowers hurdles to try to prevent the people of God from coming in. By the way, when they crossed the Red Sea, do you know it said they actually were going around it and the Lord spoke to Moses and said, turn the people around and go back to the sea opposite Baal-Zaphon. Baal-Zaphon. Baal-Zaphon was the Egyptian god of the sea. They'd already defeated through the 10 plagues most of the other Egyptian gods. And God says, wait a minute. Rather than just have you like pass through here, we're gonna stand at what was considered the most powerful God in Egypt, the God of the waters, the God of the sea. And I'm gonna encamp you right between that and my presence will keep Israel away. And in the morning, you're to extend the staff and I will part, I will defeat the God of Egypt and you will part and cross to Balzaphon and illustrate that I'm the Lord over all the earth. And that's exactly what happened. It said, God watched from the pillar and as they went across, everyone crossed, Egypt pursues after and he destroys them in their God of the sea. By the way, Yom is the God of the Canaanites. Baal had defeated in Canaanite mythology, Yom, the God of the waters, the God of the rivers. And so they've got to cross the River Jordan to illustrate Baal's defeated when we enter the land. You know, it's actually a spiritual hurdle more than a circumstantial hurdle. Do you hear that? The Lord's very specific where he's taking them. But there's this circumstantial hurdle. I want to actually give you a picture. This is the River Jordan, um, which is multiple times less water in it because it's, most of the water is extracted to water um, Israel. Uh, they take it out of uh, Lake Chinnereth, the Sea of Galilee. Jordan takes tremendous amount. It's almost a trickle by the time it hits the Dead Sea. That's why the, the Dead Sea is shrinking in size. But this is upstream near where it enter, exits the sea. And this is the area right across from Jordan um, where it's wide. And you'll, this is at low. This is at a drought stage. This is what it looks like. Here's what it looks like at flood stage. This is a picture of, um, oops, I didn't change the title there. This is flood stage. Look how wide it is. And imagine trying to bring a million people across that when it's three to 12 feet deep and the current can be 20, 30, 40 miles an hour across from Jordan. So 
It's a circumstantial hurdle. The question for you and I is, what are your impossibilities right now? Standing between you and the promise God has asked. And do you believe your God is able and that his presence will go before you and he will defeat the spiritual opposition and take you into the promises? Do you believe he can do that? I mentioned it's a spiritual hurdle. A lot of our hurdles are spiritual. I think the issue um, is God big enough to defeat the spiritual opposition of our region? I would say yes. I mean, we sang about it all morning, right? Is God big enough to do that? I don't like it when I hear, oh, Denver's a hard place. It'll be hard for Denver to get saved. I don't want to actually agree with the demonic entities around the region. I actually want to say my God is able and every knee shall bow and at the breath of his voice, opposition falls. Through all of scripture, I mean, I love the place in the Philistines where they capture the ark and they place the ark before their God Dagon to say, okay, it's subject to Dagon and in the morning, behold, Dagon's bowed down. And <laughs> behold, they bow down. God, Dagon was the God of hemorrhoids. So actually what happened is God smote the Philistines with hemorrhoids until they released the ark and sent it back to Israel. It was like, yeah, like God sort of demonstrates, I'll defeat the Egyptian gods, I'll defeat the Canaanite gods, I'll just... Do we believe that's possible? Or will we look at the circumstances of walled cities, spiritual opposition, spiritual giants, and say we're not able to do it? The Lord wants to stir the church in this hour of shaking into faith. There's a cycle repeated. They crossed the Jordan around 14, 1460, I forget the dates now, something around there, 1430, 1460 BC. We're talking almost 3,500 years ago this happened, and yet it's a spiritual picture of what the people of God must do to enter into the promises. So we cross our circumstantial opposition by believing God is able. We cross the spiritual opposition by saying our God is able. Uh, thirdly, we step forward in faith because it is a faith hurdle. Do you realize they actually stepped in before the Jordan stopped? And they stood there and waited. Adam is somewhere around 16 miles north of where they stepped in. And so can you imagine the priest standing in the river? The, Moses has just declared, when they stand in, the river shall be stopped up at a great distance from here and stand up in a heap. And they're waiting, and however long that would have taken for 16 miles of river flow, the, the crowd is looking there, they're standing there on the shores of the Jordan as it dips into this flood place, and they're saying, is our God able? And suddenly they watch the water level disappear and the ark go out and stand in the middle of the Jordan and the 12 men wave the people across. Isn't that the way that when God gives us a promise and says, I want you to step into that, it still feels impossible when you step in. 
Will you stand in faith and believe even though the impossibility when you first step has not shifted? There's this faith hurdle that these guys are facing in this place. Um, it's a dividing line. By the way, Hebrews 11.6 says this, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We are constantly facing hurdles in the Christian journey. Circumstantial, spiritual, faith, whatever. And the issue is, has God said that's not to prevent you into coming into your fullness? And will you trust him to lead you through it? I just want to ask, what's blocking you right now? Like, what's keeping you from the promises? I would imagine for most of us, it's those hurdles. I had a word that from somebody that was saying, well, you're not a good writer. You speak better than you write. And that word sat in my spirit and has become a hurdle for about five years. And I finally decided to cross that. I've just gone to a writing workshop. I've got a writing coach and I'm <laughs> stepping in. But I, just being honest, these things happen. What's your hurdle? And are you listening to the opposition? <laughs> are you listening to the Father? There's also a pride hurdle here. Um, I thought it was interesting, the, the Syrian, Assyrian had to, Nahum had to dip into the Jordan River to get his leprosy cleansed, to learn that there was a God of Israel. And he's like, well, this muddy river, couldn't I do this in the river of Assyria, the great mighty river? And God wanted to test him. And his servant said, will you humble yourself? And actually do and dip, what, how many times? Seven. Seven seems important because seven's the divine number of the Lord's completion. Will you dip seven times in the Jordan? His leprosy's healed. So it's, um, the pride is this. Remember, the, the Yadan means the river of descent. It's where John the Baptist baptized for repentance of sin for iniquity, remember the text said, sanctify yourselves for in three days you're gonna cross the Jordan. There's a place of saying, Lord, I am laying by my past unbelief. I'm laying past my hurdles, my sin, my iniquity, the issues of bondage that I've been in in the past. That's a done deal. I'm crossing into a new territory that is uniquely yours, you will lead me through. And so I'm gonna sanctify myself. I don't wanna touch your glory. I'm gonna repent of my sin. Lord, it's only your ability that will do this. I will not act in my own strength. And this is what baptism in the Jordan was. You were dipped to let the old man be washed away and you were raised again with new life so that the spirit may come upon you like Jesus modeled. It's the Jordan River. If you don't cross your Jordan, you can't get into the promises. This is the low place of laying everything down. So we've got a circumstantial hurdle. We've got a spiritual hurdle. We have a faith hurdle. And we have a pride hurdle.
Let not the church rise up in its own power to take our city, but let us stand and watch and see the deliverance of the Lord. And may he part the opposition spiritually and circumstantially that we declare and think is impossible. We no longer agree that it's impossible for Denver to be saved or for our state to walk in righteousness versus iniquity. We trust the Lord because the Lord is on the move. By the way, it's a harvest river. It's a revival river. How many want to get in the river of revival and harvest? That's the issue. It's going to be down. It's going to be crossing in. We've got to step into that harvest. It's harvest time. We've heard that word over and over. It's harvest time. But there's an opposition, and the question is, are you going to step into it, and are you going to see the Lord take you through to the other side? It will be the Lord that does that. The closing uh, text in... Four says this. Um, I didn't read all this, but it says here, verse 23. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you crossed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Here's how it reads in Psalm 114. When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from the people of a strange language, Judah became his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. By the way, Judah his sanctuary, he's enthroned on the praises of his people. Judah means praise. And Israel, the place where he rules as king. That's the first two verses. They, the sea sawed and fled. Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams. The little hills like lambs. Who said that today? Um, what ails you, O sea, that you fled? O Jordan, that you turned back? O mountains, that you skipped like rams? O little hills like lambs? Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool of water and the flint into a fountain of waters. Do you hear what is at stake? It's the Lord's, not ours. So we need to look at our impossibilities and say, God's got it. God gave me a word. God gave me a word. And I'm gonna say like Mary, may it be to me according to your word. And yes, it's impossible for an unmarried virgin to have a child but the Holy Spirit shall overshadow you, Mary. And nothing's impossible with God is how it translates in the NIV, but actually in the Greek it says, no rhema word of the Lord is devoid of power to accomplish the reason it was spoken. And Mary said, may it be to me according to your word. Uh, Lord, you said, so that the God of the earth will be recognized as the one who did it. The living God. I like that. That's like, God's alive. I think it's 1 Peter or 2 Peter says that we're born again to a living hope. Boy, that's a good word. Living hope. I think it's 1 Peter. Yes. Jesus is alive. That's good news. It's a living God who comes alongside us. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside us and resting upon us. God is alive. Emmanuel, God is with us. Jesus is the living bread. He's the manna.
He is the living word that Aaron's rod comes forth. He is, he is the completer of the word. Matthew 5, 17, he fulfilled all of the law, the tablets and the ark. He is the enthroned God. It is Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. Will we follow him into the battle? He's the commander of the Lord's army in Joshua 5, 13. Notice you aren't, in four, uh, you aren't here yet, but when we get to chapter four, you'll see that there were 40 armed military men. It's a battle ahead of us. We, we talked about this with the shaking. Will the church shake in fear as the world shakes or will we rise up and enter our promises? I assume they were shaking in Jericho when the river dropped. Can you imagine sitting on the walls and having, having heard the river at flood shades just stopped and a million people just crossed over? Dude, <laughs> we're in trouble. They're already walled up and, you know, fearing and quaking that God has given them into the land, right? And, and that just happens. By the way, Lord, we thank you for mighty miracles, signs and wonders so that the city will shake and say, I need this God that they speak of. It's not dead religion they're looking for. They're looking for a God who moves. <laughs> okay, I'll give you five things of a faith step related to this. You cross the Jordan by letting God go before you, trusting he's faithful. We've said it several times. Uh, let me get to my notes on this, see if I have anything else I want to say. Um, notice the first move was up to God's people after God spoke. Some of you are wondering why your promises are not fulfilled and you've yet to take the first step. <laughs> yeah, you're just sitting there. You must overcome your fears, your doubts, your human weakness. By the way, you know what grace is? God's ability on your behalf of what you cannot accomplish. Paul said, therefore I will boast in the grace of the Lord that his power is made perfect in my weakness. We don't live under law, we live under grace which is God's ability to do what you cannot do. It's good news. Jesus, full of grace and truth, led the way. He's the author and the champion of our faith. Therefore, we fix our eyes on Jesus amidst the cloud of witnesses, right? And we step in. The champion, that sounds like a victor, like overcome. The devil's defeated already. And Jesus says, I stepped into the river. I was baptized first. What about you guys? <laughs> There's this place of faith there. The second is you cross by reverencing his holiness and fixing your eyes on him. There's this place, we talked about it in August. I didn't know what was gonna shake in September. By the way, um, just so you know, it's the shaking that, it makes sense to me that it's happening in Israel first. Listen to Psalm 83 as it describes David writing this around 1,000 BC-ish. Don't know the date. So we're talking 3,000 years ago. Oh God, do not remain silent. Do not be silent, oh God, and do not be still. For behold, your enemies make an uproar. By the way, do you know what 
Violence, which they were commanded to get rid of, means. Do you know what the word is? Yeah, let's, um, let's hear it. Hold on, I gotta escape out. Let me open up my, I pulled it up on my uh, Hebrew today. Whoop, there it is. Oh, what did I do? I hit the wrong thing. Here it is. There it is. It says here, now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God and filled with violence. Let's see what that word violence is. Come on up. Slow. Well, let's fill up, pick up another one. Why is it not coming up here? Hmm. Well, it's 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 um, it's hate mem samik, which is pronounced Hamas. Who's in Gaza right now? Hamas. Violence. Psalm 83 says, they make shrewd plans against your people. They conspire against your treasure once. They have said, come let us wipe them out as a nation. The name of Israel will be remembered no more. This is Psalm 83, verse four. For they've conspired together with one mind against you and they make a covenant. The tents of Eben, Edom, it's in Jordan. The Ishmaelites, that would be Saudi and Yemen, where missiles were just shot. Moab, Hagrites, Gebel, Ammon, Amalek, Philistia, that's Gaza. And the inhabitants of Tyre, that's Lebanon. And Assyria, that's Persia, that's Iran. Deal with them, Lord, as you dealt with Midian, as with Sisera and Jabin at the Kishon, who were destroyed at Endar. Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb. That's the Gideon thing. Like the princes of Zeba and Zalmuna who said, let us possess for ourselves the pastures of God. Oh God, make them like whirling dust. The clothes. Let them be ashamed and dismayed. Let them be humiliated and perish that they may know that you alone, whose name is the Lord, are most high God over all the earth. Do you see what's actually at stake? So let us not dare take our promises in our own strength. God needs to be revered as the God of the, the living God of the earth. I assume there's gonna be a miraculous deliverance of some kind in the natural. I know there'll be a deliverance for you and me. Our Jordans are a little smaller than they're facing over there right now. It's kind of sober, isn't it? Okay, we couldn't hear Hamas pronounced, so we'll escape out of this and we'll uh, go back to the PowerPoint. Whoop, come on up. I love that. Soul, don't be silent. Get up and praise the Lord. Judah will go first. From current slide. You cross the Jordan by taking the first steps. If you don't step in, you won't get there. You cross the Jordan as you cross, God will provide. And lastly, when you cross over, you're irrevocably committed to a new territory. You mean I can't go back to the old? No. You're on a new operating system. It's called faith 
And it's called, you're into the promises of God. The manna has stopped and now you need to harvest the land as a faithful servant. The river came back to flood stage. There wasn't any, I love it. God cut their, their exit route off. <laughs> Same thing happened in Egypt. He cut their exit route off. Because <laughs> we have a tendency to want to go back. It's safer. There's a little less uncertainty with what's happening. Do you feel the, the, the weight of what God is inviting you and me to today? Do you feel how he's inviting us to more? Lord, I pray for Israel, Gaza, all the innocent civilians. The purposes according to Deuteronomy um, 20, 10 and 11 was that peace would be offered. So Lord, let there be peace. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for peace in Gaza. We pray for the sparing of lives. But Lord, we know you want to deal with evil. It's a sign in the physical. It always has been in the physical with Israel. But let it happen in the spiritual with people here in Denver, in this house, those watching online, those listening. Let it be that our God is manifest as the living God of the whole earth over this region. Let God arise and may his enemies be scattered. Yes. So Lord, do spiritually what needs to happen with what we're physically seeing unfold. And God, we're asking that people would crash into the kingdom, that they would make the choice to say, I need to follow this God, this living God that you, you Christians preach. Isn't it a sober time right now? We said sober, shaking was sober. I remember when Heidi Baker was, was, uh, spoke at the beginning of COVID, when we heard that the world was being shut down with a pandemic, here were a simple sentence, all eyes on Jesus, all hands on deck. We're in another shaking right now in 2023. All eyes on Jesus, all hands on deck. Do you feel the military sense of what it is? This is not the time to cloister in your home like we did in COVID, <laughs> but to get out there and to follow the lead. Don't zealously do something, but follow when the presence moves, you move with it. Is there anything else I want to say? All right, here we are. You have a Jordan across. How are you going to respond? Actually, had a thought. Um, we have a couple of rods. I, saw, I know the dancers dance with them periodically. I got mine. This one, what does it say on it? Um, kingdom family. Peter John Young, but seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Um, Moses called his rod the rod of God. Um, what if the Jordan is here today and you're to step in and you're to prophetically make an act to say, God, I'm tired of holding on to the wilderness issues of my life. I get it. In the, in the natural, 8% mortgage rates, all of you wanting to buy a home, it feels impossible. But God... I get it, those of you with identity confusions that have branded yourself with a name, if you remember the testimony, but God. 
those of you with a marriage on the rocks, but God. Those of you that realize I have wandered for years with issues and I do not know how to cross, no problem. They didn't either. They said, you do not know which way to go. Follow the ark. That's the enthroned Jesus Christ seated at the right hand of the Father with everything under his feet. Sounds like it's gonna happen. So my thought is, I'll go see if I can find a few rods or maybe I'll send Gene. You wanna see if there's some dancer rods back there? I think it might be interesting if some of us, first of all, if you don't know Jesus, if you're watching us online or you're listening to us or you're in the house today and you don't know Christ, this is a good time to actually get in your Jordan. Say, Lord, I repent of my old ways. I wanna receive Christ Jesus, the son of man, the son of God, who died for my sins and I wanna be born again. I wanna live in the kingdom. I wanna live in the kingdom of light, not in the kingdom of darkness. I wanna come out of my evil ways and I wanna walk in the kingdom. Do you see any rods? They disappeared, all right. Um, we can use this rod. Just pray this prayer with me if you're listening or watching. Jesus, I invite you into my heart. I thank you that you're the son of God. You died for my sins. And you're transferring me from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. I receive you as my Lord. I enthrone you as king of my heart. And I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Amen. And for those of you that realize I'm just trusting the Holy Spirit's quicken some of you to lay down a few things at your Jordan. How many want to do that? Like, I gotta lay some things down. So what I'll do is I'll put the, the rod here. Um, and you can touch it if you like. If you feel like the Lord's leading, I know it's kind of strange, but there's something about taking a step forward for the Lord to notice. He can see your heart right where you're seated, right where you're listening, right where you're watching right in your living room, wherever you're at, your car, as you're, you're connecting to this. But I think we, it, we'd be remiss to miss the principles of this text and not recognize that God wants you to step in and follow him. And so I want you to think, once I step in and I follow the Lord in faith, the old is past, I'm irrevocably committed to a new territory. Old mindsets have gone, old sin patterns are gone, old brokenness is gone, I'm stepping into the new, and I'm trusting I will follow the Lord. Now, I realize that may play out over some weeks with us, but there's a place of taking a step and saying, okay, Lord, I'm in, I'm in, I, I'm ready. And I will stand my ground until I see the impossibilities bow at the name of my Yeshua, my Joshua, Jesus. Amen, all right. Let's put on some music, Cass. We're gonna go ahead and um, allow you to respond to the Lord. So why don't we stand, I'll close this in prayer. And if you feel like you'd like to respond, just gonna invite you to come up. I'm gonna just see how the Lord wants to unfold this. Make sure you're laying something down before you touch that rod. 
and uh, believe God for the new. Actually, if you want to cross the stage as your Jordan, I can, I can do that. So let me pull this back and we can unplug the computer there so no one trips. Um, you know, it's just something about taking your stand and just saying, all right, I'm going to cross. So um, you can use the rod. I'm just going to say, um, I'll just model this for you. Like, Lord, I lay down that word that said, you're not a good writer, Peter Young, and you'll never have a church of the supernatural because you don't flow in it. Boy, those are past things. And I'm going to cross my Jordan because God, I believe you've gone before me and you are a faithful God. And I praise you as I do. Something like that is what you guys want to step into. I'll be here to just bless. I love that song. That's perfect. This is the lion roaring. This could take some time. If you need to be dismissed, do it. But um, I just think we've got to respond to this. So Father, as a church right now, as a city, those watching, those listening, we are going to take our step into crossing the Jordan. The lion of the tribe of Judah has gone before us, and he's calling from the north, south, east, and west. We will be a people that will not shrink back, but we will step into the impossibilities because you are the God of the uncrossable. You are the God of power. Joel, if they get hit by the Spirit, just uh, help me with this. <laughs> thank you, Father. We thank you in Jesus' name. So we're going to just allow this ministry to occur, and we'll see you next week. This is something the Lord is watching. Fire on you guys. Thank you for what you're saying to the Lord today. We just bless you. Holy Spirit, come. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for empowering James. Bless you. Thank you, Father. I feel like there's watching angels, watching as we've stepped into our Jordans today. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing for the, well, there's more in you. Are you gonna write books? I hear books over you as well. Thank you, Father. Fire, fire on that prophetic anointing on you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for increasing on your people right now. Thank you, Jesus. Bless, Lord, bless.